But at Myriad, we tend to think about things a little differently. For us, it's really important to think of this original content less from a revenue and profits perspective. We don't want our employees to just be thinking in this box. Shoot for the stars, man. What do you got? From Myriad Media, a show that explores the audience, business, and creative sides of developing video campaigns. Hi, I'm Jedediah Gant, and on today's episode, we sit down with our business strategist, Elise Campbell, to discuss the current state of original content and how it can also help an agency build creative chops, employee engagement, and meet its business goals. Welcome, Elise. It's great to have you here to talk about the state of original content, and um what I'm really excited about today is to talk about original content and what you're up to. I know that we were joking earlier that we're both strategists here at Myriad, and so I believe this is going to be the most strategic conversation of all time, and we're probably going to hit a lot of buzzwords and shit. Oh, know. yeah. Innovation, authenticity, strategery. Strategery. But yeah, before we jump into the buzzwords, uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your background and how you landed here at Myriad. So um, my background is focused in film, and it really wasn't until Myriad that I shifted towards this kind of business strategy and in the innovation role, buzzword number one. Um, I got my start in video by just making music videos. I always, you know, when I would see, when I would listen to music, I would always just see videos in my head and just thought that was normal. But uh, apparently when I was talking to my mom, she said that was not normal and kind of pushed me towards doing this film route. So started doing that and then worked in reality TV for a while, just kind of churning out series um, in post-production, um, which was great, but I quickly hopped over to Myriad and kind of grew into my strategy role. And so for the last few years, I've been building out our innovation initiative, which is called Wildcard. And it's all about using our passions to create revenue generating projects and creating original content is a big part of that. Yeah, and it's funny, we were talking before the podcast about you going to see Fleet Foxes tonight, so I'm really interested in what what music videos you see in your head as you're seeing uh, Fleet Foxes out at the amphitheater tonight. But we're going to jump a little bit deeper into your role here at Mirror Later and um, some of the original content that you guys are producing. Uh, But first, I'd love to talk a little bit about the state of original content right now. And so for the purpose of framing this conversation, can you define what original content is for us? Sure, I'll keep it simple. For this conversation, original content is simply work that we create for ourselves. It's not for a client or a brand. It's for us, you know, it's to fulfill some sort of desire that we have, whether that's responding to an injustice um, or just telling a story that we're passionate about or even just kind of pushing the creative boundaries and trying to learn something new. Um, We're a video agency, so most often our original content is video, but That content can take many forms. You know, it could be a podcast. It could be a mural, you know, talking to you, Jed. Um, But what's important to us is that the work is creative. It's outside the box. It has a point of view and a distinct voice. Yeah, so that's a pretty broad definition. Um, And and I understand that because there's lots of different type of original content out there. So who do you think is creating, like, great original content right now? That is a good question because there is so much stuff out there. Um, For higher-end production value, um, I follow IFP, which is the Independent Filmmaker Project. So they're an organization in New York that's focused on just championing, championing, championing? Championing. That's not a buzzword. Okay, great. Just a word. Great. And you said it, so I don't have to say it again. (laughs) So they really support independent filmmakers. Um, They have all these programs and events. Um, They kind of hook up filmmakers with people in the industry. Um, and just provide this platform for talented storytellers um, and underrepresented artists. So I love watching them. They're constantly sharing great work. Um, 
But it really just, you know, it depends what you're interested in. You know, you can find incredible web series or documentaries or even just direct-to-camera personalities on, on YouTube and even Facebook. Yeah, you mentioned YouTube and Facebook, and it's pretty crazy because the Internet has allowed anyone and everyone to put out content and be content creators. And the goal of that would be to share their own work. So, you know, it, it basically leveled the playing field. Absolutely. And what I love about this new world is that it kind of shifts the purpose of content away from profits and shifts the return more towards like just getting your passion out there. Um, you know, after I graduated college with my cinema degree, um, I was obviously working at a coffee shop for a while. What uh, coffee shop was it? I was at Caribou Coffee and I also melted cheese at the melting pot. <laughs> you melted the cheese. Oh, yeah. Awesome. You, you had to great. stand at the table. And yeah. so you would yeah. talk to them for like three to five minutes. Uh, it's yeah. very uncomfortable, very but cool. made good tips. So, um, but yeah, so I mean, while I was melting this cheese and pouring espresso, like I wanted to create, you know, my passion has always been in music. Um, I wanted to be tinkering around with video because I just learned all this stuff at college. Um, so I was extremely lucky and found this group of people and we created this TV show called Sound Situations, um, which was just this 30 minute show all about local musicians um, we shared the episodes online. They aired on public access TV. Um, but aside from the occasional free beer, you know, we weren't getting paid. It was just this fun and creative outlet. So we worked on that for about a year. But once I got my job in reality shows, just all that time just evaporated. Um, and there was no time to just kind of create, um, which was fine for a while. But, you know, that need still persists. So now I'm seeing this kind of similar pattern emerge with these successful professional creatives. Um, these are people that are in the agency world, but they're just getting kind of burnt out. Um, they're burnt out on telling brand stories every day, um, working long hours, but they're so talented and they really see the world kind of differently. Um, so I'm seeing more and more of this like creative side hustle where success is more about being truthful and just telling these stories that they want to share. Um, more than revenue. So I think that's definitely an area to watch. Yeah, I totally agree. And there's there's a lot of this content created by individuals. But there's also what we talked a little bit about when we were planning this podcast, the, the idea of there's another level. And that, that level is the bigger studios. And they have lots of money to put in productions. And so I'd love to hear more about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, we all know about the bidding war that's happening at these big companies like the Netflix and Amazons, you know, they're spending billions of dollars to buy up every idea, every like talented executive producer, every script. Um, and what's neat is now they're using these last few years of data to really like find their niche. I mean, Netflix just announced that they're going to focus on sci-fi and fantasy shows. But that's, yeah, that's not a big surprise because Stranger Things was big and Black Mirror, and the great thing about that is that Netflix and Amazon, they're producing content for all ages. You know, my wife and I watch Black Mirror together, and uh, we actually watch Stranger Things with our son, so yeah. Oh, man, I thought you were going to say you watch Black Mirror with your son. We did not. Whew, those he, mess me up, man. Yeah, do you have any favorite Black Mirror episodes? I don't know if they're considered favorite, because I can't sleep for like a week, and I wake up in the middle of the night just like thinking about this like deep psychological like fear that I have based on these episodes. But sure, a favorite would probably be the Christmas episode. And when he has that realization that that like clock on the wall is his totem, 
that man, like when I get up in the middle of the night, I'll like be walking down the hall and I'll start seeing things that I'm like, is that my totem? Every night? Like every night? Not every night, but you know, when the dog wakes us up or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were just filming. Uh, it was this great thing online that uh, Netflix is filming the new season of Black Mirror and they are like recreating a, a London, like in the 1930s or something like that. So they're or 50s, I think it was. So they had the old stop, the old storefronts and everything out front. So they're they're using a lot of this money to kind of pump it into a really great show. My favorite episode was called Metalhead from the current season. It was very beautifully shot. It was black and white, creepy as AF, as the kids say these days. I mean, it's a very beautiful kind of. Uh, uh, dissection of like what technology can be, but is almost, you know, at now. And so I was on the edge of my seat the entire episode. Yeah. I mean, what I love about Black Mirror is it's, it's just so unexpected. You never really know where the episode's going to end or what you're jumping into. Um, and I mean, that unexpected is one of the reasons that I love like Red Bull Media so much. Um, they're one of my favorite companies to watch and their media wing has only been around for about 10 years, but they are doing the coolest stuff and they're really doing everything. Um, they're creating TV shows and like digital videos. They're pushing people out of like spacecrafts. Um, they're doing events and, you know, podcasts. They're creating albums. Um, All for the sake of high energy drinks. Yeah, yes. absolutely. To sell drinks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, Robert Katai has this fantastic article that breaks down Red Bull's like content strategy. It's really comprehensive. Um, we should definitely share it. Yep, we'll put it in the show notes. Awesome. Um, so what I love about this brand is that they just try everything, and they're not bound to just one type. I mean, it really speaks to the Red Bull brand in general. Like, you got wings, use it. <laughs> Go do something awesome. Um, so I get by, ins- I get inspired by their courage just to simply try. Just yeah, Netflix and Red Bull, they have like endless resources. So uh, what type of opportunities do you see for like smaller companies? Well, looking at those big hitters versus the kind of smaller independent creators, I see this huge opportunity for agencies to step in. You know, agencies already have all these really talented people. They've already compiled this team. Um, and they have the experience of telling great stories they sh- hopefully have these networks that are strong and can really like lift up content. Um, so, you know, you see the rise of these like creative content agencies, um, businesses that are creating content that's all branded. You know, it's, usually these are like really fun and innovative creative ideas, but they're always tied to a brand. So, you know, Barbarian Group is an incredible content agency. Uh, They recently created this web series around the Samsung TV called Reframe the Space. Um, It was incredibly effective for their client, like looking from the data and analytics side, but it was also just a really cool, like fun project to work on. Um, But this is directly at odds with my original definition of original content, which is content we create for ourselves. Yeah, and it's interesting. We were talking about how the Barbarian Group is very new, too, and they were only uh, started in, I think, 2000. So they've only been around for, you know, 18 years. But I know that agencies need to get paid. So is there a sustainable model for creating non-branded original content? That is the million-dollar question right now. Billions, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, everyone's wondering, like, how do you get paid for creating this, like, passion-based content? Um, If it's not branded content, do companies just eat the cost? Um, or do they try to find a way to generate revenue? So I found that there are a few different models for getting original content funded, but it's tough because the, land sh- the landscape just shifts so fast. 
And I mean, creating video, it takes a long time, especially when you're trying to, you know, write a script and shoot, you know, more than one, one episode at a time. So your initial strategy when you're brainstorming the idea, it may not be effective by the time you actually finish and like have that content ready to go. So it's just hard. And unfortunately, it seems like agencies, you know, give it a shot and then they decide that the return wasn't good enough. Um, But at Myriad, we tend to think about things a little differently. So for us, it's really important to think of this original content less from a like revenue and profits perspective and be thinking about the returns more from a employee engagement, from a creative fulfillment and just being able to kind of push, push our work to the next level. Yeah. And we're all about like growing, growing first and foremost, and then growing our, our creative chops as part of that. So, you know, something that's big here at Myriad is uh, to do, to grow these creative chops over the past few years, we've developed several initiatives, uh, to accomplish this and to help our employees. Uh, the first of which is campsite, which, uh, basically it's a creative sandbox for us to play around, experiment and learn more about how we create film. And so it's always been a big part of this need for employees to be engaged. And the goal of that is to grow creatively and, um, experiment with new ideas. But the second, which you alluded to a little bit in your introduction here is wildcard. And so I'd love to hear more about, um, that. Sure. So, Wildcard is really like the bro- grown-up version of Campsite. I like to describe it as Myriad's like innovation lab or our research and development lab um, because that's how they're described at other agencies. Um, but for us, it's really about using our passion to find new opportunities. So we create projects that have like a revenue or kind of a business uh, business component. So whether that's a web series that we try to sell or find funding for, or it's an actual product that we sell in stores. Long term, we hope to take these projects and get them out into the real world and turn them into actual businesses. Yeah, so tell me something about some of those ideas. Oh, man. So we have our people are very creative and have a ton of ideas, which is awesome. So a f- couple years ago, we kicked off Wildcard with something called the Galileo Games. That is not a buzzword. Tagline, shoot for the stars. Shoot for the stars. Go yes. high. Yes. <laughs> so it was awesome. Um, it was basically just kind of a employee employee pitch day and more than half the staff pitched ideas um those ideas ranged from a documentary about this like 70 year old grandma who was racing indy cars um, it's one of my favorites yeah that was awesome oh yeah that was great idea um all the way to like a software platform around employee wellness so this was obviously like a big range of ideas yeah so how do you decide when you've got such a big range of ideas how do you decide which ones to invest in yeah well and we love that there's a wide range to us that's success. You know, we don't want our employees to just be thinking in this box, like, shoot for the stars, man. What do, what do you got? Um, Wildcard is all about, like, low-risk testing. So for us, it seems like we could really try a lot of the ideas. Um, you know, if we're able to move forward with a few of them by just providing some, like, low-risk capital, just a few hundred bucks to kind of get to the next level, um, we'll just kind of see see how it goes. So one one awesome product that we had come out of Wildcard is the Dumpster Fire Candle, um, which is this awesome little candle that is shaped like a dumpster. And it's so simple, but it's awesome. Um, and we have this editor named Meredith Schmidt who really led that project, brought it to the table. Um, and her drive just for the project was so impressive. You know, she had a really shitty year um, and she wanted to do something creative to kind of push push the boundaries. So she created this product. It has this whole brand that's like super snarky and 
it's just awesome. Dumpsterfirecandle.com. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that started with a budget of like $300. So for us, it was a no brainer to just go move forward with that project. Yeah. And she also had this idea of the riot series of more different types of candles. And so the idea of you could take something small and build it into something big, I think is really cool to like give this platform. It's part of our North star goals, give it a platform to people to be able to kind of build something small into something bigger. And so that was really cool that she thought outside of the box as well there. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we have kind of products and random ideas like that, but you know, myriad, we're a video agency, so sometimes we just hear an idea for, for a video and it just clicks. You know, we know that it's, that we got to do it, that it's like a no brainer. Um, and a perfect example of that is Tea Time with Alex. Yes. And we should cut to the Tea Time jingle right now. Do, 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 do. What? It's Tea Time. It's Tea Time. Scooby Dooby Dooby. It's Tea Time. Tea Time. It's Tea Time. Tea Time with Alex. That's what it says on my birth certificate. The new. Yeah, so Tea Time with Alex was simply the best. It was this highlight of my year, um, even though it was res- in response to some bullshit that happened in North bullshit. Carolina. <laughs> yes. Uh, so Myriad were in the heart of downtown Raleigh, um, and when HB2 was passed, we were all just disappointed. Um, but we have a transgender man um, in our office. He's our accountant. And when he started opening up about what the bill really meant to him and how it was affecting him, it... I mean, just the whole the whole company, we just knew we wanted to kind of rally behind him and support him. So we created a sassy educational web series that was just meant to kind of combat some of the misinformation about the trans community that was out there. There was like nothing positive in the media about about trans people. So we were like, hey, Alex is awesome. Let's put him in front of the camera. Uh, he makes us laugh every day. And so, yeah, we created this 10 part web series that's all about trans topics. Um, so why education? Yeah. 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 And I mean, we chose this idea and we thought it was so great because I mean, we were passionate about it. It was the social good, you know, we were kind of fighting back from this injustice and, you know, I kind of talk about these like three prongs of success. Like we were able to grow our creative chops, you know, doing a web series was, was new for us. Um, we had employee engagement, you know, everyone just wanted to stand behind him and, you know, it kind of hit this business goal of, trying something new and trying to gain funding for the series. Yeah. And I remember one of the first uh, brainstorms we had that like video wasn't the obvious initial goal. Like we, because it was part of wildcard and some mentality of wildcard, we thought, Hey, we could do shirts. We could do um, a book or there were so many really great ideas coming out of that of how we could tackle it. But in the end it came out uh, as a video web series, which I think is pretty cool because we are a video agency, like you said, but um, but one of my favorite things about it is the the idea of it starting a dialogue in the community. And there were two prongs to that, which is the community here in Raleigh. And so um, there was a lot of dialogue kind of locally started about that as well as online. So how do you think it accomplished the, the goals that you set out for it? To me, this project will always be a success because of exactly what you mentioned, because of the dialogue and because of how the audience responded. Um, we received, so we rolled out the web series on Facebook. Um, we got kind of got this community of people that were really loving the content and loving the videos. And we were receiving comments and messages almost every day of the run. Um, people just connected with Alex, you know, um, he's so approachable and funny. And, um, so yeah, so some of the feedback we were getting, school teachers told us that they were showing the episodes in class and using it as a way to start the conversation. Um, 
someone straight up told us because of your show i'm not ashamed of my sexuality that's beautiful yeah like holy shit yeah that's great yeah um we found we had moms that were coming to us and telling us how they were able to watch the shows with their teenage kids and have this conversation about gender in a way that they never were were able to before so i mean man like how often can a video actually like change someone's life like we really felt that with this and and i'll never forget that um so from an employee engagement and kind of a culture perspective yes major success we all kind of came together to support one of our own loved it uh Creative Chops, it was awesome. Uh, Meredith added this layer, these graphics kind of at the at the end. Um, very peppy, very fun, oh, and colorful. Yeah, and, yeah it very, definitely made the yeah. it made the series, you know? Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, but then from a business perspective, it was both kind of a success and failure. You know, one of the ultimate goals of the series was to get funding to create more episodes. And ultimately, we did not get funding. Sure. So, bummer, it was a failure, you know, from that point of view. However... It did. We did get a lot of kind of network leverage out of this. Um, it was accepted into a program in New York that was put on by IFP. Um, we got to talk at Good Pitch, which was this pitch competition put on by the Southern Documentary Fund. So got to just share the stage with a ton of really talented local filmmakers. Um, and Alex really just got to step into this role as an advocate. Um, he spoke at Creative Mornings. We spoke at this diversity workshop. Um, so it was fantastic. I mean... You know, there's just so much good that came out of it. It's yeah, and I was looking through the Creative Mornings photos lately, uh, doing a presentation and using Tea Time as Alex as a as a case study, and it was just really cool to see Alex up there presenting and people in the crowd laughing and smiling over a topic that is, you know, pretty tough and hard to really digest. And then afterwards, there's a lot of photos of Alex standing around and smiling with people um, of all different races and genders. And so there's something really cool about that, like of him being out in the community, like I was saying, this dialogue is helping communities. But I'd love to talk a little bit more about IFP, which you mentioned. I know you guys are really excited to be there. And so can you tell me a little bit more about what's exciting about that and why from original content perspective, it's really a great kind of partnership? Yeah, that that opportunity was fantastic for us because it really opened the doors to, to it really opened our network, you know, to people that are in the industry. Um, when we were up there, so we were up there for a week, we were part of this Spotlight on Documentaries program um, and got to attend their marketplace where they set up one-on-one meetings with like people like HBO, Amazon Studios, New York Times, um, Netflix. It was, that was just fantastic. I mean, you think about like cold, cold emailing these people and trying to get in touch with them. It's like they're never going to respond to respond to me. But uh, because we got into this program, we were just sitting across from them and um, it's fantastic. I mean, those connections are people that we'll be able to leverage for our future projects. You yeah, know, I'm totally. still in touch with these people. Um, so, yeah, and then just them as mentors is great. You know, I feel like we're part of this, like, fraternity now. Um, they were just so kind and so supportive, and it feels like now we can just kind of leverage all those learning lessons and share all of our new work. So it was really just this great building block for us in yeah, terms of was, original content. It's a great resource, and like I'm glad we have it. I mean, not only from an experience perspective, but for future endeavors. And so I know we're working on more original content here. Um, so I'd love to hear more about what's our next what's our next step. Oh, yeah. So we have a project in post-production now that I'm so excited about. Um, we've been working on it a while. And um, it is a narrative web series called Art Camp. Art Camp. Art Camp. 
Um, so this show is kind of a PBS-styled mockumentary uh, that blends talking head interviews with this kind of cinematic narrative. So think Stephen King meets The Office with a dash of Twin Peaks. So it could become a buzzword. Art camp could eventually become a buzzword. Yeah. Art camp, it's going to take over. <laughs> 2019 art camp buzzword. Yep. Yeah, and so we shot the uh, we shot the pilot out at Penland School for the Arts, which is out in Spruce Pine, North Carolina. It is this like truly magical place. Um, it's up in the mountains. It's isolated. So beautiful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and the people there are just so so immersed in learning their craft. You know, whatever that is. So um, we had a blast out there. And I mean, talking about kind of those three prongs of success um, from an employee engagement point of view. The pilot shoot was just the best time ever. It was these very long days, um, but then it was long nights drinking whiskey and singing. I think there are multiple bands that got formed just, you know, after the after call wrapped. So, yeah, that was awesome. Um, from our creative chops, you know, people have been stepping up in, in great ways. Like Brent wrote this fantastic script, you know, with the team. Uh, Spike stepped up into this director role. Max was just like show like shined as this dp that we had no idea was like inside of him um i guess we did max is incredibly talented but yes. you know he rose even higher can do it all yep. <laughs> yeah and then from a business point of view you know the pilot is in post-production now so as it finishes up you know you and i are going to be working together on figuring out this distribution plan yep. you know what's our strategy here like when we first started the project a while ago um the goal was, you know, to build kind of build an audience online. But now that we've gone through IFP, we have more people on our network. Now, you know, we may want to just shift towards focusing on our contacts and trying to leverage, you know, those connections that we made to just actually be actually pitching this thing. Yeah, that'd be great. And you talked a little bit about this idea of The Shining or Stephen King, uh, meets red hot american summer so you know it sounds a little bit like a black mirror episode yeah exactly what you just said when we first started people were saying um yeah the shining meets wet hot american summer which is just such a weird blend so it just makes it so unique and i don't think there's anything out there right now that has this kind of humor mixed with this just eerie eeriness so netflix (laughs) if you're listening yeah come at me bro Yeah, I mean that would be amazing. Um, hopefully, hopefully it'll be uh, up right next to Black Mirror one day. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I can't wait to watch the pilot. I haven't seen it yet. It's not done yet, actually, right? Correct. Correct. Okay. So it'll be done soon, and I look forward to seeing it. And this was a great conversation, and I'd love to talk to you more again on a future podcast about Art Camp and how um, how it met those goals. You yeah, know? absolutely. We should bring on like Spike and Max and some of the other guys. Yeah, it'd be great to have more of the team on and talk a little bit about the creative production aspect. So thank you for being here. This was fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yep, of course. Thanks so much for listening. If you have any questions or topics you think we should cover, hit us up. Drop us a line on myriadmedia.net or at myriadmedia on all of your favorite social media platforms. We'll be back soon with more ways video can help boost your brand's marketing impact.